Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com or go to the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook if you want to interact and be a part there. Nick, I'm diving into, well, what I used uh, last night at the Super Bowl. I got one of the new Belgium little new variety packs. So I got a couple of them here I'm going to dive into. This one is the Hop Avenger IPA. I'm excited about that. What about you, buying and selling? What are you doing? Well, I'm going to buy. I don't watch anymore a lot of NFL, but I think you got to buy an overtime game in the Super Bowl. Now, conspiracy theorists will say the NFL wanted Taylor Swift to win, you know, get get some Swifties love there. She's the biggest star in the world, but thought it was a great game. And actually my favorite player in the NFL to watch play football, Fred Warner, the linebacker for the Niners. I think he's the best football player in the NFL personally. And uh, I don't know how you don't buy that game. Again, I don't think tons of excitement for three quarters, but it kind of panned out there, you know, fourth quarter and overtime. So I'm going to keep it simple this week. I'm going to buy the Super Bowl. We have a lot of ones that don't deliver. That one definitely did. Yeah. Uh, this was, I'm, I'm actually was very, most people were confused whether it was going to be a great game or not. Most of us hoped it would be. I wasn't sure about this Hop Avenger IPA, but as good as the game was last night, this beer is also as good. Nick, I apologize, man. I'm selling. I I really uh, I wish I could buy. I was thinking also too. I was excited about about it. You you told me you had a couple tickets and listen, dude. I'm selling. I'm selling y- you. I guess like I'm I'm confused. <laughs> uh you know, Romo kind of talked about it briefly, but five nineteenth in the third quarter. You hung up the phone, we were chatting, and then suddenly you disappeared. They said that a streaker got caught. <laughs> hey, that'd have I been lost something. Connection huh? with you, maybe, or are you saying you didn't even go? I, I'm not sure, man. I hey, I, I'm I had selling the that you didn't make it all on. the way. I had the hyperclean ne- tattoo on. I know. I we had we did all that. We had it set up. You went to that that you know that body tattoo where it was just a <laughs> 24 hour deal, right? Like, yeah. I, I can't believe it. I, so I'm selling. I'm selling. I, I, I couldn't believe it. And Tony, Tony said it, and I went, "Damn it, Nick didn't make it all the way." Like, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, I didn't get to see the streaker. Did you actually? Did they actually show no. any of it? He didn't actually, he never even made it. It was like, Tony was excited. Like he, yeah. he was like, Hey, and then he was like, Oh, like, Oh, I guess he didn't actually make it. Well, you it. know, they like, have <laughs> the, uh, the, the biggest golf tournament in the world's also this weekend. It's called the waste management in Phoenix. Tons of streakers, tons <laughs> of streakers, <laughs> like but, tons right? of streakers. Is there still that delay? Is that why we didn't get to see it? Because I think they always have a dump button, right? There's always a dump button. There's always, you know, what, 30 seconds, a minute that they can, but they got to catch it. But it's the Super Bowl that started the delay, right? Remember the the infamous costume malfunction? Yeah. Janet Jackson, dude, of course. (laughs) Yeah. I thought we had one last night with your boy taking a shirt off at 40-some years old. (laughs) You might... Might might want to get might want to get on those abs a little more. Might want to might want to. I don't know if you thought you were the Rock or what happened here. So I th- somebody in our house goes, "Does he have boobs?" 
Like they, <laughs> they were confused for a half second. Like, you know, with all the different stuff, the way people are coming out and not sure. Everybody, like they didn't know if he like, no, I think he, yeah. Hey, that, Alicia, Alicia key still looks good though, boy. Ooh, that's good. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, this and is a kid show. We're on YouTube now. So yeah. we're just saying I, she looks very good. I thought it was pretty cool. H E R being out there. She's somebody that is really almost undercover. Not everybody knew who she was. It was awesome. But talk of the town though, is always well, right. Talk of the town being, it was in Vegas. What, what was your thoughts on the commercials? That's what everybody still oh. always wants to know. I, I thought for the first quarter, first half, I was into the commercials. I thought they were hilarious. What was the guy that was the the skin cream and oh, I, yeah, that's you know, his name. My yeah, name's Michael Matt Sarah, Sarah or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is pretty unique. The, the the Arnold stuff about not pronouncing neighbor because listen, we have in an inner site. I'm sure you have. Like, yeah. it, it's funny to hear the way people you know try and pronounce word. We we make up our own words inside our house as we're trying yeah. to create our own type of English, right? Like, so that to me was funny. You, what are you? You in or out on the commercials, though? I, I, yeah. I'm so you're you're more half. of a movie guy. So there was a lot of movie commercials. It, okay, how many suits? I, did you see the amount of suit we had? We had suits going all over the place with like little cameos in different parts of it. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I'm going to ask this. Did we need another Planet of the Apes? Yes. Is anybody like clamoring for Planet? Yes. Hey, you know what? Let's do the 53rd <laughs> Planet of the Apes. I'm not saying it doesn't look good and with the CGI now, I'm, I'm not trying to get on the people working hard on that film, but I didn't hear a lot of clamoring for another Planet of the Apes. And what is he, they're bringing back Twister? Oh, God. Come on, man. They did it once. It was good. Leave it alone. How are you guys so out of ideas that you're going to do another tornado movie? What, what, I mean, I mean, here's what I would say right now. Here'd be the, how about you just show real tornadoes? It's going to be more fun than this movie. So yeah, if I think if you were into movies, I was surprised about all the ads spend on movies. Mm. You know, the wash in the feet one was a little, Hey, that was a little long. That was a little, yeah, we might want to shorten this one up, folks, because uh, still at what seven mil for thirty seconds, and that seemed like that went on for about four minutes. Yeah, it could have been just thirty seconds, but it yeah. felt like five minutes. I'm like, what is going on here? Here's the other interesting part. I thought was we all woke up realizing, oh, we were saying Timu wrong. We all know <laughs> now how to pronounce. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they um, definitely wanted to fix that quick. They spent some money, didn't they? Like that. Yeah, a lot that of people like two dollar wheel brushes, I guess. <laughs> All right, what what do we think about Brady? How what what, what do we think about I, that? I've one said more? I've said this before. If Michael Jordan wouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it. That's my take. Now the Dunkin' Donuts commercial was pretty funny. Uh, you know, for everybody that doesn't know, J Lo got her start as a fly girl on In Living Color. That's the joke behind that. It's not that she was Jenny from the block. It's that she was an actual fly girl on In Living Color. That's why it was funny to me because that was a funny show when you and I were growing up. That's the start of Jim Carrey mm -hmm. and all these other guys. The, the firefighter Jim Carrey character was an all-time character, but I had to explain it into my house in my household why it was so funny. I'm like, you realize this is an In Living Color type of joke, not... Yeah. 
People forget that show. People forget that show. And that show was hilarious. That show was hilarious. And so Santa Claus guy, he would go around (laughs) and hit people over the head. Yeah. Uh, And Bo, you remember, uh, what was it? Bozo the Clown? Yeah. Wasn't wasn't that another one where he would hit people with a sock? Yeah, dude. It was, you know what? I've come to expect less from the commercials. So I think I can get through it a lot easier because when you and I were growing up, the Super Bowl commercials were iconic. Mm-hmm. Now they've just kind of been dumbed down a little bit, right? So you kind of just got to tried to make a comeback. You know, they brought in a pretty cool commercial that was fun. Yeah, yeah. no, but I, I think overall it was probably a B, a B on the commercials. Not a not a A plus, but a B. I, I don't think it was you know F, but it, it was probably a B minus. But you kind of look at some of them, you're like, yeah, what's kind of going on? Sort of the way many of us, and let's go, this is the interesting part, is questioning, well, what's going on here? Uh, Dale, uh, inside the group, where he goes, hey, you can go, hmm, what's going on here? Tell where paint's not a virgin or paint maybe is. Kind of a weird thing some of us might go, well, what does that even mean? Well, what does it even mean when we're looking at a paint gauge is what a lot of other people start to question. Hey, what do I know if I put a gauge up on here? What do these numbers even mean? Uh, Let's go through that for a second. First of all, we stick a paint gauge on paint. What is it telling us? What are these numbers really showing us? What what are we looking at? Yeah, it's, it's basically showing you base and clear at this point in time, you know, primer base clear. Uh, what's on the substrate, you know, especially you, you got to get some special gauges to be able to see on all different substrates, but let's just talk about steel panels, which is the number one thing people are using them on. I've always been a Mills guy, not a Microns guy. I, I, I suppose if I had a paint depth gauge in 2005, I'd have probably been more Microns working on show cars and things like that. But look, I always tell people, we don't know how accurate these things are. And you can spend a lot of money on a paint gauge in the five, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 range in industrial places. And even they'll tell you, we don't know exactly that it's the most accurate thing. So understand that we're getting a ballpark. Okay. We're getting some frame of reference of how much primer base and clear is on the surface to the best of our ability with something that costs 500, a thousand, 300 bucks, whatever it is. So, is it a great tool to have? Yeah, it's a great tool to have. Is it the end-all be-all? No. I mean, I don't think they're largely at 300 bucks or 500 bucks the most accurate things on the planet. But it is a ballpark. Gives you some peace of mind. If something's too low uh, in the readings, you could avoid problems, right? And that's what you're trying to do. In Dale's case, I think he had one of the pictures said it had 14 mils on one of the panels. Is that correct? I think so, too, yeah. Uh, that's probably be, been repainted a few times, if not, you know, multiple times or sprayed or the gun malfunctioned while it was spraying that area and laid a lot of, a lot of paint or, or primer on. And so I kind of look at this and I go, it's a great tool. If you understand the limitations of the tool. Okay. You're just getting a ballpark reference here of what's going on. And how often should I be checking my clear code? I mean, is that... Is that something I should be doing once a year? <laughs> no. uh, I take no. my paint gauge out and like I'm checking my tire pressure and I can no. check check my 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 paint gauge? No. If you're going to put a polisher on it and you're going to start doing some cutting, some heavy cutting, 
that's when I would use it. Even a light polish, I'm not really worried about the paint depth gauge at that point because I'm not really removing all that much. If it can't take a light polish, it's headed to repaint anyway, right? So again, understand light polishing means I'm removing, you know, 50% of the defects. I'm really kind of surface level there, right? So I think a lot of people have been misled or confused about paint depth gauges. They're really, really good at a ballpark. But I think one of the things is it also tells you when you might want to be hands off, right? We, we came from a world in car manufacturing, you know, if you guys get to touch older cars and by older cars, I mean, 2005, 2008, where everything came out with four and a half, five and a half, six and a half mils. It's nothing to see a Toyota arrive at 3.1. 3.2, really thin paint. GMC has had ups and downs. Honda's had ups and downs now with modern systems. I think the importance of them now are guys doing a two-step on a brand new car. We're not that far from those days, if not already there, being gone, right? I mean, manufacturers are forcing your hand as a detailer, as an enthusiast doing this on their own, where you want to be real cautious cutting modern cars. I mean, I think that much is clear. I mean, paint depth gauge or not, we're seeing lower and lower numbers, which means we have less and less UV protection. And that's what really matters in the end, right, is that UV protection. And if you start wearing that away, you're going to ramp up failures pretty quick. Mm. Yeah. So when I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Dan's – or sorry, not, Dale's photo, and – you know, I just start scrolling. That's what's fun about being inside the specialist group now is getting to see so many different people posting different things from even more bad parking to the plates. How many yeah. Beamer plates are out there? That's a oh, great yeah. one. Uh, gosh, what was the bag of duckies that, that came out oh, of yeah. this, this idea mm -hmm. that uh, this is interesting that Jeep would actually encourage uh, owners to hand out duckies if you're a lease type of person? Uh the Arcadia with the single ducky, like, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, people trying to take duckies, like, right. This, yeah. this, this idea that's going around that, uh, wow, others could steal the ducky. They better not. Uh, the jeepers yeah. will rise. Like, <laughs> won't they dare? But the big wow would been from uh, Dan. And that was the, <laughs> the test spot on the Porsche. Yeah. Like, wow. Uh, 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 that's all you can do at first is just go, uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, Nick, is that something you would do right out there in the middle of it? I've heard this is a thing. And over the yep. years, there's always people that are like, yeah, put it right out in the middle. I'll make sure they can't have to get around it. Like, what do you think? Yeah, we've, we've done test spots, you know, for people that don't understand paint correction. I do think it's a viable thing to show them what paint correction is. Again, we have to understand that not a lot of people know what it is this instance hey, it's yeah. essentially a quarter of the hood yeah i'm right uh, on the hood like crazy yeah. and i can see the point of view of the detailer thinking this car's in pretty bad shape you're going to want us to do something and he probably is right as a sales technique it's a great place to put it because you would think nobody would say no to this Right. I mean, it was that dramatic of how bad the paint was and how good he made it look in comparison to what it was. But what I took from the post is something that oftentimes enthusiasts and, and, and professionals forget about. Not everyone cares. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not everyone cares. This guy's driving a Porsche. You have in your brain, he's a Porsche owner. He's going to care. He's going to be this way. He's... It, it's still a very small percentage that care at that level. Well, and let's not listen to, I thought a really unique commercial that we didn't talk about was the Google pixel. I think it was their commercial where they could, that now would talk, and if somebody has yeah. visual problems, it would take the picture for them. Right? Like the visual aspect that we all think that we see compared to the normal people. I've shared the story, the very first Tesla guy that I had, and we all know Tesla pain, and we know for a while there was a lot of problems where they would go in and and they would just do their little test nibs and they would just yep. nip out Even. their spots. Like yep. this vehicle came to me that looked like a Dalmatian. I, I wondered if he had actually had a special paint job. It was so multicolored, but in circular little spots. Yeah. The interesting part is this guy was a doctor. He, you know, and you, you would think that he would know better and he would be a guy that would see this. Yep. Well, this, the same as what I loved about Google's uh, commercial, because it put us into that person's world. Well, this, and when we think about people looking at paint and we see this test bot, the detailer in us would go, yeah, this guy's got to do it. But no, the average person, I would say even beyond average, I'd say most car owners are more like what the guy that was trying to take the picture with the Google phone is like. They just literally cannot see it. It's, yeah, they, it's no, can't it's no it. concept to it. Yeah, they, they, we take it for granted. We do, yeah. right? We are the abnormality in this whole situation. We're not the norm. And that's what I think eats away at a lot of detailers and high-end enthusiasts is we know the difference. We know how good a car can look and we know how bad a car can look. But that's why I always urge beginners to walk their local Target parking lot really get eyes on how many people even keep their car clean. And if you can look in as walking through those aisles and you can look into the interior, you'll see even more craziness. It just is what it is, man. There's a percentage, a the largest percentage of population in the car ownership world doesn't know how to keep their car clean, doesn't know what a detailed car looks like. They don't know anything. So... I remember early when correction and coatings were really starting to happen. And as they kind of came through my orbit, 15, 16, 17, right? Like, I, I do remember selling a correction, doing a test spot. And I do remember doing something to, to make sure that this person would, would want to buy it. I, one time. You, you'd said that, you know, I could see why you do this for sailing. I couldn't. I could no longer do it that way. I, I couldn't try and force a customer by leaving this big spot on their hood that look. Now, to our point, what we just talked about, hey, they're not even going to see. Yeah, they're going to know, I would think, that difference. And then how many people will see. And this is going to be an embarrassment for them. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that somebody should do this. There, I, it's got to be a much more simple. You're right. Like it's not a thing for us to go. This is a black and white. Like whatever. Yeah. I mean, 
it's just me. This is my personal thing. I saw it and I go, yeah, but that is a bit tacky. That, like that person's car yeah, is now com- I mean, completely I different. I just, I just don't know if I would say tacky if that person was standing in front of you saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, you're going to have to show them. Now, mm-hmm. did it have to be a quarter of the hood? <laughs> I mean, that 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 is debatable. But, you know, look, I, I think sometimes that stuff just kind of happens on the spot. I mean, I, I'll tell you this. we When we put PPF on people's car for the first time, we have little square pieces where we peel them off and allow them to try to rip the PPF. You know, I'll, I'll hand it to them. I'll peel it. And I'll say, you try to rip this. That That's what's going on in your car, and it's going to be invisible. And, you know, there is a lack of understanding. So I I don't think I'm going to say one way or another. I know I've done test spots when people have been very confused about what polishing, what, what, what correction is. I think the overboard thing you saw was it was like a quarter of the front end. It felt like, and I can understand that, you know, do it on a back panel or something like that or whatever, but ultimately, look, man, if the if the customer was sitting there just totally confused, you're just going to be like, you know what, man, let me show you. Or you almost get a sense that that customer was a little bit of a prick. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's, a good, like, yeah that's I guess yeah. that's what I was trying to say. Like, you know, here, I've been with you 30 minutes. You're pushing me to the brink here. Let me just show you so we can get this over with. And once I show you, I think there's no chance you're not going to buy. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that guy probably thought to himself, that detailer probably thought, there's no way this guy's not going to buy because his paint is in such bad shape that even just a little difference, this guy's going to want to do something. That's what I got from it. Personally, I've, I'm enjoying the amount of people, and I think it's just the way I have continuing to grow through my journey and in my car life, right? Like as vehicles come, as vehicles go, as the fleet gets more, as it gets less, as, as my time, you know, with customers in detailing, as as we grow as hyperclean and the more I'm into products and what we're doing here is developing stuff. And as we're growing and working back here, I am enjoying taking care of my fleet, my vehicles more. So to everybody that's putting out into the specialist group, Hey, this is my daily. Hey, this is my vehicle. Like, Hey, I'm with yeah. you. And I, I really am. I'm curious for you. I, I find it a little fascinating, which is kind of way I, I brought it out. Like, I don't think when I was full into having a mobile business that when I had the car wash, absolutely. I kept my vehicle washed yeah. on a regular basis. But then as even in distribution, there was a lot of people that maybe gave me a hard time. Maybe my van didn't stay as clean as they thought it should be if I was out you know, selling chemicals to clean, but I didn't yep. take the time to clean. That continues to be a, a thing in a sense for detailers of, yeah, I'm somebody that enjoys maintaining my own vehicle or not. Yeah. And I think this changed a lot for me. Look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm at 10 vehicles at this point, 10 vehicles I'm responsible for. It's, it's, that's a daunting number right? From personal vehicles to business vehicles. This is not an excuse in any way. What happens though is you get so concentrated on your business or you get so concentrated on family stuff. And, and, and this is why I've always talked about, don't take for granted that that guy over there needs somebody to take care of his car. 
because he gets busy at work. He's got, you know, softball tournaments. He's got this with the kids. He's got, it's hard to stay on top of your vehicles, man. It's hard. And especially as you start to get more and more vehicles, you know, look, we all have family members. They got two vehicles and they got two kids driving. There's four in a family right there. If the dad's responsible for all four of those, that that's not, that's a whole Saturday every week to keep on top of those. I mean, so he's got to carve out a day to take care of four vehicles and they all got to be at the house and nobody's got plans. And all of a sudden, two, three, four, five, six, eight weeks doesn't look like that's that hard to have happen. Uh, I've definitely felt at times as, you know, look, we, we had the Super Bowl here. We had rain the first two, two and a half, two and three quarter days of the week last week. My guys were working 16 hours a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Some people did some stuff Sunday morning. You know, things slip through the cracks in your personal vehicle. You know, what if that was the time I need, you know, hey, I'm on my second week at the vehicle. We got rain for two weeks straight. Now, I, this is one of the things that happens is I, I love staying on my vehicles. I love when they're maintained. But as your fleet gets bigger, as you grow as a family or you grow as a business, man, is it hard to stay on top of? I mean, we just got to say that out loud. But again, kudos and well, well, uh, well defended, right? What great job. Let's say I'm a guy that doesn't has one. Uh, I got one V. Let's say I'm a, I think I'm a car guy. I really want to question this. Can I be a car guy and not? take care of my own car. Can I say I'm a car guy and I could go to shows, but my car's not dialed in. Yeah, that's yeah. And here's the thing. This is where I'd say, if you have one car, can I go to the grocery store? Can I leave my house and be a car guy, but not have a clean and dialed in car? It was, it wasn't my thing. When I had one car, I always, I always kept it nice. Like it was just a part of who I was. It was part of what I enjoyed, but life can get in the way. You know, even as a single guy, you can get busy. This is why I always say it's really important for car enthusiasts to really understand how to hire a detailer. You know, even if you love doing it on your own, when life gets in the way, it's nice to be able to pick up the phone and say, Hey, can you come give me a quick detail? Can you just kind of, kind of stay on top of it? I got a busy month. Maybe I'm traveling for work or I got some family obligations out of state or whatever. Like, I think one of the things that enthusiasts don't do enough of is two things. They don't really have a trusted mechanic and they don't have a trusted detailer. And and I think that puts you behind the eight ball as somebody that likes their car, because you just don't know when things are going to come up. Even if you're capable of working on it all yourself, you have no idea how busy you might get or whatever. So those are, those are the things that I see from the enthusiast get a trusted detailer, get a trusted mechanic that you always do business with, that you pay fairly. I think when time, when life gets in the way, man, you pick up the phone and you say, Hey, I'd like to schedule my car in for service, or I'd like to schedule, you know, for a detail. I, I think that's the way to, to, to do it. As social grows and as everything continues to get into the digital world, they will also, there's going to be another part that's going to go, Hey, get a videographer, get a f- professional photographer that can come and take photos of your car. Like that really is. But in order to do that, you got to b- have a clean car. I want to push that button again and I don't want to skip over it. I want to ask the question again. Maybe that's a level. 
as we say, there's levels as detailers and in business, maybe there's levels to being a car oh, no guy. Doubt. No doubt. Because you don't think so? Because I know, I know. a lot of people that claim no to doubt. be car no guys. Doubt. You're right. I said and, you're and right. they no. they don't have clean cars. Like they claim to be in the car culture, but you see their car and you go, dude. So at what point is I'm taking care of my car, whether that's, and I love what you just said. Hey, if you're somebody that really likes to, but you don't have enough time, that's the point of having a professional detailer. Absolutely. It, but maybe I'm not somebody that goes, I, I'm I, I'm not going to pay for that, but I'm a car guy. Whoa, but my car's not clean? That doesn't yeah. make, right? That but doesn't here, make sense. Here's the thing. There, there's, there's different types of car guys. There's guys that are only into engines, right? Like that's their whole car experience. They just want to soup up their engine. You got the drifting crowd. You got the JDM crowd, constant modifications. Their, their whole car culture is based around they love modding their car or they love modifying their engine, or they love chasing horsepower. So there's all kinds of different little things in car culture that people enjoy. I'm not going to say one way or the other. Like I tell people about modifying a car, I don't want to ride around with a laptop on my front seat to make my car run. That, that's just not me. Okay. But that's the way they enjoy their car. And I think that's fine. You know, enjoy it how you want to enjoy it. I think we all come from the standpoint of none of us can really enjoy our car unless it's dialed in. That's the most people listening to us. So enjoy your car however you want. I would venture to say even all the people that haven't experienced a dialed-in car, once it got dialed in, you would enjoy your car more. That's how I would say it. But there's all kinds of different people in this car culture, man. I mean, I know guys that are just diesel truck guys. You know what I mean? Like they, and they ain't going to clean it. They almost oh, would no. guide themselves that it's not cleaned. Yeah, I got, I got a guy who all he does is diesel trucks. And he's got rusted out beds in some of these trucks that he's put a ton of money into the engine. That's his way of enjoying his car, man. Enjoy your car. Enjoy your truck however you want. I think if you're following us, you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somebody that cares if your car is clean and, and dialed in and done your way. And that that's the way it goes. Like it, it, All the factions of car enthusiasm is just so different than it ever has been, right? Like It's just so segmented. But that is the rub that detailers, and that's why I said it the very first part, like that is the, the lens that we go to car shows, right? Like, ah, but it just, you say that you're, but you're not really taking care of it, are you? Right? Like yeah. that is because sort you, of because that. Because we experience it a different way. I mean, yeah. we just experience it in such a different way. And that's why it's important to understand you're different because then you won't come across like such a jerk at a car show. Because you won't be judgmental. You're, you'll realize this guy just wants to do his thing with his car that he paid his money for. And that's why I've never taken offense to the car culture. Is I think I just have a healthier understanding of it. Like, hey, man, this guy's just into this segment. I know people that are just into radar detectors. Like, that's that's like their thing. I, I mean, I actually know people. Like, this isn't like secondhand. Like, they're just into that. these radar I didn't, I didn't know that still was a thing until recently, too. Like, Oh, I, dude, I, it, and you know, there's no money in them. Nobody makes any money off radar detect. I mean, it's like a break-even business. I, I didn't know that people still had them. I but think it's a thing for me. Like, remember well, now when you can they wire first them crazy? Popped. Well, when they first popped, it didn't matter what car you had. 
<laughs> you, you had that big, ugly, that that big ugly black radar detector that like took up half your windshield. Yeah, and the little stickerly things that you stuck <laughs> on to. Like now it must be, or it's just our age. I don't know that maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's my age. Like the people that I roll with now, I don't know anybody that has a radar detector. Until you get into that guy, which, you know, I have some buddies that are at some yep. dealerships or, you know, and they've, they, they've got that, you know, where they turn, a, right? Yeah. Like, then so, you hear that beeping, pew, pew, yeah. and you're like, what is that thing beeping in your car? Like, oh, that's my radar detector. Otherwise, I don't know anybody that has a radar detector, but back in the day, it seemed like every single friend of mine that I got into their car yeah, they all I had mean, even radar even moms and dads back then. When radar detectors popped, it was like they're driving an Astro van and they got this thing beeping in the windshield. It's like, what? How fast can you go in this thing? But it was just it, it was just more ubiquitous back. Didn't then. they? Is it because didn't they change the guns or whatever? And then like I, I always heard a thousand things. I mean, there was I, I know guys that have bought scramblers. I know guys yeah. that you know do all this crazy. I I even know guys that have reversible license plates for out here when you have the uh the red light cameras and all that i mean like i said man this is what we all have to say out loud sometimes there are so many niches to the car culture that that our niche is a niche right keeping your car as clean as most of us like it when we consider we're going to take our car to the car show the level you want it i guarantee you there's no one else at that car show that feels the same way but that doesn't mean they're not potential right? Because there are guys that you'll go and they really do care. They just don't know better. And so those are the guys you kind of get around and you try to influence a little bit. You kind of try to, you know, push your, Hey, this is what I do on my car. And I got PPF on the front end or the whole thing. And we see some great things down in Arizona with one, with someone that we know who's now really part of the car culture down there. And he just tricked out his car with all of his services and he's setting up at car shows, just killing it because he's done these special things that he does at his shop. And, and so I think it's really great that everybody loves their car, how they love it, but it is hard for us to understand not driving a car that's perfectly detailed when it you're is, going because, and, and, and you're at a car show and things like that. Yeah. But you know, do, you're right. Things do get in the way. Stuff does happen. The, the other thing that is interesting when it comes to cars or, you know, cleaning cars or different things, which you mentioned it the other day. It was a great episode that we did as we're doing this deep dive into the new carpet system. But, you know, you mentioned a commenter on YouTube and this guy was so adamant about things that he has seen, things that particular to him. And so he needed to voice his opinion. And you talked about, hey, you know, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it hasn't happened, right? Like, yep. it's a very interesting thing to think about if we can all take a moment to just, hmm, right? Like, great job, yeah. Nick. We could even go, like, philosophy with Nick. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just because uh, you haven't seen it does a tree that falls in the forest. In the forest. Yeah, that nobody exactly. here, right? Like, it was a great, like, moment that, uh, you know, like, thank you, Nick. You put us all in a in a moment of <laughs> realizing our time and place. If you're, if you're getting philosophy from me, you got to analyze your life, I think. <laughs> but I did start to look around with some new lenses, right? Like you can now start when you're into some groups or you're, you're seeing people, you know, write things on social media. At least for me, 
I was able to think about that. Like, okay, maybe if I haven't seen it, maybe that doesn't mean I've said, okay. So this person that writes this, okay, maybe I try and put myself into their spot. Let me go over a couple of these that have really popped out to me. And I, I find that to be pretty interesting. We have a guy that says, what exactly is a touchless wash or a waterless wash? Maybe a dumb question, but he's got a customer and he can't move the cars. They're muscle cars. He's got to be able to clean them. Well, he wants to know what the difference is in a touchless wash and a waterless wash. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think through a different lens here. So you're the one that got us to this part. You're the great say on C, I guess, or, you know, <laughs> whatever we're going to say, like, yeah. it, 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 explain I mean, this for us, please. Yeah. So guy can't move the cars. He's going to be working on some classic vehicles. Can't drive stick. Can't get them out of the garage. The number one thing that all of us that know the systems is you would actually ask the difference between rinseless and waterless in that situation. Cause you'd be washing in someone's garage or, or warehouse car collection or whatever. But if a lot of people, if we talked directly about what's the difference between touchless and waterless and you didn't give this background, somebody would ultimately comment, that's crazy. Nobody thinks that. Nobody would ask that question. It's like, no, this is my point, man. Like somebody does have this question and it's a legitimate question to him. And I'm okay with that. He's asking a question because he doesn't know. But this is the point of just because you don't think people are asking these or people are struggling with this or somebody's using an extractor improperly or somebody's burning paint with a with a rotary polisher, just because you haven't seen it happen doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And so in this instance, we all know that he should be asking rinseless versus waterless. Which one would work better for me? Which one would be better for the car? Which process would be quicker? He's totally asking a question that many of us wouldn't have. That doesn't mean he's wrong for asking it. And he should ask it, right? It probably means he's a rookie. All good. Yeah. He's he trying should. to just find some some Try. balance of what should I be doing here. Right. right? Great, great again, question. I think, so yeah. here's the next one. He was a rookie. Here's yep. the next one. I'm a temp shop, tent shop owner. So you can definitely know that he's somewhere has elevated himself up a bit more. He's got a customer that has come in for tent. Yep. Okay. Now took pictures, posted out really questioning and has a lot of those heavy scratches that you can see is on the lower rocker panel for those of us that really know. And it's those straight line, heavy, deep scratches on the lower part of the vehicle. What do we all go? It's from a, car wash bingo tent shop owner customer got scratches and they had got a ceramic coating at a dealership wanting to know and he had used 800 grit to his words compound to be able to get 800 grit scratches out but still hadn't budged it what should he do we've got Customer bought a coating at a dealership, a tent shop owner. We got a lot of stuff going. I recently had a, a, a 
I love the, the people around here that we work with body shop that sent over a referral. Hey, we've got a customer that we had just fixed this door panel. You've had this. We have had other detailers that have been in this situation and they can understand this. Hey, I've just repaired this door on a customer's vehicle and they had gotten a ceramic coating from a dealership. They got a ceramic coating from fill in the blank. They need you to go in and repair it, right? You, you get into all these different situations. You've got tent shop, you got body shop, you got dealership, you got a lot of people going, hey, I need to repair a ceramic coating. I'm buffing it down with 800 grit. These scratches aren't coming out. I thought the ceramic coating was supposed to, to prevent this. This dealership did it. This lady thing, like, yeah. Cluster? Dude, this is every day. Every day, hundreds, if not thousands of things are going on across the United States and especially the world that if you haven't run into it, you think it's not happening. It's happening all the time. And start with the tent shop. You know, first of all, he's talking about compound in a way that many of us don't discuss it now. We would call it 800 grit sandpaper. We wouldn't say 800 grit compound. We, we just don't talk that way anymore, right? We just don't say those things. We, we speak a certain way. You had an incident at HQ where this woman very clearly bought a coating that probably wasn't up to snuff. Let's call it that way. Okay, probably not up to snuff. Let's just say and I explained to her that her paper that she signed at the dealership was what she needed to go talk about. Yeah. And, and But again, when people are confused why dealerships sell this is because that woman wasn't going to go back to the dealership. So they no. made 2500 bucks on something one time. And was I in the right to sell her to put coding on her door? Absolutely right. And would every listener that got that customer in their door, we couldn't judge them right or wrong that they should or shouldn't have done it. The right. system allows for me to just sell her to put what if I would have told her $200 she would have gone oh that's great I spent $1,500 at the dealership I spent $4,000 at the dealership but I heard the name that she put on we all know but huh yeah. do we? I mean how yeah. many of us and, would have taken $200? Bucks? And, yeah and you, you actually did the right thing you go hey you need to go talk to the dealership you got a lifetime coding here they're supposed to handle it you know have them repair they're coding on that door. We all could also just say, Hey man, we're going to do right buyer and slap a better coating on that door. And then the only problem is when that door looks great and the rest of the car looks like crap, you're going to get judged for it. But this is the interesting stuff, right? As you hear the way people speak, even from the professional tent shop to the detailer, to the consumer. And one of the things we all have to kind of analyze is this stuff's happening all the time, all over the place. And we have a real conundrum when we're trying to offer advice not being there. The funniest thing on these types of things on the internet is you're not going to see any shortage of 50 comments on what they should do. And you don't know if that person's ever been in that situation, if that person's reputable, if that person's just a troll on the internet, you just have no, no idea. So this tent shop's putting this information out. He's getting a hundred comments. He doesn't even know if he, any one of them has ever run into this issue for real. He doesn't know if they handled it and got yelled at. He doesn't know if they handled it and got applause and got, made a lot of money. He just doesn't know. 
Yeah. Right. Like he's just looking for help, man. He's like, what the hell is going on here? I just need a little bit of help. I just want to understand. But this is the importance. Again, we, we have more and more enthusiasts coming into our, our orbit. And for you professionals that are getting started, sometimes if somebody has done business with some other company and they're asking you questions to try to fix that company's work, you got to be cautious. You got to be real cautious. You better go back to where that paperwork is. You better go back to who's really behind it. You better go. Don't take that quick buck all the time. Because that quick buck, you go and you start sanding that lower rocker panel and you burn through and all of a sudden they go back to that original guy. They start bashing you. You're repainting the whole car pretty quick. Like you, you think that stuff doesn't happen. It happens all the time. I mean, shit, it's happening in Tulsa right now. Like as we talk, it, Dude, it, it's don't happening talk about Tulsa that way. Come yeah, on. it's happening in Vegas. Vegas. It's happening in, yeah, it's happening in Milwaukee. Since it's happening here. anywhere, right? Yeah. It's just happening. And so that's that's when you talk about these situations. I mean, it's great that you kind of clustered these together. Guys, this is a quick search on your timeline. Oh, quick. This is this is under two minutes that you go, boom, boom, boom. Look at these three situations. And this is not a judgment on any of those people who put that no. out there. I, these are I legit real under, issues. Yeah, yeah I, I completely understand what they're doing. It, Okay, hold on. Here's another legit real issue that a lot of us will, won't we won't think about. But if we'll look into ozone, ozone one in three people, so 30% what 33% get headaches, they're allergic, they have oh. issues with ozone. But what is the dominant thing that we try and do when it comes to carpets, when it comes to smells, when it comes to interiors, is throwing ozone in, and that's the way we go. It, it's even getting into the, the the aspect of the DIYers or the enthusiasts. We, we You can see a post, and this is one that I saw. A customer of mine left an ozone machine in his truck for two days due to a smell. <laughs> Due to a smell, so they had read because you know what? Ozone machine makers and ozone people are doing a great job of their marketing and they're putting a lot of information out and they'll say, hey, throw an ozone machine in. Nick, a lot of big reason where you and I connected in 2020 and those parts were around, it, it was around sanitization and it became ozone. Like ozone is, is not approved. It's, it's, it's completely all, it, when you really dig into it, it is it's one of the west. big snake oils of the industry. Yeah, it's wild west, man. I mean, there's no, people swear by ozone. Let me tell you some other things about ozone that I've shared three years ago. Ever gotten in a car where all the plastics turned white from an ozone machine? And we're not talking about a 1988 Tercel. We're talking about a brand new vehicle that for some reason somebody threw an ozone machine in there. Yep. I'm not saying good or bad. It's your life. You do what you want. But ozone machines are just the Wild West. There's all these claims being made. First of all, you can go on Amazon and buy an ozone machine, quote unquote, for 100 bucks. Okay? Uh, if something really eliminated bacteria and smell on that level, do you think it'd cost a hundred bucks? I mean, just, just be honest with yourself. And again, I know some people don't have that Amazon. experience. Now you get it on Timu. Come on for yeah. 29. I thought it was Timu. Timu. 
I'm butchering it for the reason. Uh, <laughs> their marketing ain't going to work on me. Um, yeah. So you look at this thing and, and, and look, like you said, headaches, lingering smells. One of the things about ozone when you dig into it is if you use heavy chemical on the carpets, headliner, uh, cloth seats, and then you run ozone, you actually can have a chemical reaction with certain chemicals to get used in your cleaning process. They don't get so potent. Somebody can't get into the vehicle without like almost passing out. Which you've, you've seen on social media posts, right? It's one that you send me. Yeah. It's like, you know, because somebody had a heavy hydrogen peroxide cleaner as their last step on their carpet system, they now have a guy who's weeks and weeks and weeks like, dude, it smells so bad like peroxide in here. And he happened to use a peroxide cleaner that we told you you didn't need with our new carpet system. And having these, all of these different chemicals is unnecessary. And I'm not saying it wouldn't happen to ours. Ozones are unpredictable. Yeah, You don't know what it's going to react to. So I'm not putting it on the chemical company. I'm just saying you don't think about these things because you're on Amazon. You see a five-star review. You go, oh, this guy must know what he's talking about. Click. And it says on the box per square foot how long you should run this ozone machine. How many people do you think read that? Now, the square footage inside of most vehicles is not very much. Okay? This dude ran it for 48 hours. I can tell you what square footage that thing didn't say. Run this for 48 hours in your car. There's no and, possible way. And it doesn't say leave the windows up. It says fresh air. It says a lot of things, but... <laughs> But we throw and we do, and it is so funny that the same as, and you start getting into interiors and you get into this and you go, wow, the same as, and like, I'll say it, and we're going to say it again this summer. And later as we come out with the compounds, we come out with the polish, we come out with all the stuff, come out with the pads, why you chose the pad, like all this stuff. And people are going to argue. They're going to argue about ozone. They're going to argue yeah. about extractors. They're going to argue about things. And you start to go, huh. Well, and why do you argue about it on social? Like, why do you put out these things? And, you know, you, we, we have, and this is one of the things that we always want to talk about when people ask us about Sparta and they, they want to know, and we'll try and go back to, and if you haven't listened to the Sparta deep dive, where we go over what it takes to be in Sparta, you need to go back and listen to that episode. But one of the key things is always what you put out on social. And we, we say foolish and we say things like that, but that can be, be a very broad spectrum. And in yeah. some of it could be this, dominant desire to say that somebody's right or wrong based on how they clean carpets or use an ozone machine. And it's just very interesting the way people, uh, you know, as you said, I've taken some flack and there's, there's people that will say different things and I'll, I'll just go interesting perspective. Like interesting yeah. that you would want to put your name out on social media with such a dominant this is black and white. You're wrong. I'm right. Yeah, it's Screw weird. everybody. Well, only me. Like, look, man, you and I started hearing some really tantalizing things last summer about some companies struggling or some companies this. And 
you know, a couple of them end up selling. We have some more information about some ones that may not be around here in the near future. They're going to have to sell to stay alive. And we could go out on social and I could type out everything I've heard over the last six to eight months and it'd blow people's hair back. They'd be like, what? Here's the funny thing. About 75% of what I heard starting last June as, as the economy started to flip around a little bit has come true already. I mean, I sent you a text over the weekend and go, well, it looks like our info and the end of last year was right because we just got some other news and, and here's the news. We've also had some things that are pretty sensitive subjects happen and people don't have a problem putting their name on some really, really crazy things next to some, some, some individuals or companies that are in the midst of really crazy things as well. Right. I, I joke with you and so many others inside the HyperClean network that, that I've started to believe something in the last year that I never thought I'd believe, which is I, I think people don't think you can see what they're writing on social media. I, I think people just have a general disconnect that I can watch what you're doing on social media because you're my friend on social media. So or, you have said that, but I don't know if it sticks to everybody. Like I, I do, I do really, really want to question for a second if yeah. it sticks because you and I watch some of our list. Like we do watch people and we'll see people that will come in and they'll, Hey, we want to do this or Hey, we're, and then we see some of the stuff that they post or we're yeah. in some of the groups and the things that they put out. And so you said that, Hey, I'm not sure if people really understand how, and I want to go at it a little bit different, Nick. I, I want to go, maybe they don't understand how social impacts the day-to-day. -day. Not that people yeah, don't see it. Maybe point. it's they don't understand that there's actually an impact. It's not some fictitious world that you just get to go to live in. I mean, that's what you, well, yeah. maybe your side. Like They think it's just something you do opposite. No, social has become so innate into human society. It's yeah, think not, of, think, it's think not of an a, online thing. So I shared this last year. There was a film company, one of the most reputable film companies in the world, that actively disqualified people that were involved with a very popular ceramic coating brand. You know what it was based off of? They didn't know the people. They were watching the company operate on social media. And it's a company everybody would have respected three or four years ago. They've now kind of fallen down and started chasing some other different things in their business and not so much the car ceramic coating side of things. But I was hearing from reps, like we were told hands off, these kind of, if these shops have these signs up or putting this coating on a car, we're not to sell film to them. So you can think social media doesn't get, and, and, and the word watched is the wrong word. If you're friends with me on social media, the algorithm feeds me your information right? That's just what happens. Facebook goes, Hey, Nick might be interested in what Marty said over here. So the first thing that's going to pop, pop up on my Facebook feed is what Marty said in this random group over here about that he's in some state group that I'm not in, but they're going to show me Marty's comment because they want me to join that group. Cause then I'm further into their world because now I'm part of a hundred groups instead of three groups. This is how it all works right? They're trying to get you further and further in with things that your friends are involved in, that your associates are involved in. It's, it's as if Facebook and Google are pretty freaking smart, right? And, and I only 
really talk about this stuff because I believe there's a lot of people from the age of 18 all the way up to what we've seen some 65-year-olds comment on here recently that we know of that I go, this is not an age thing. This isn't like, hey, the younger generation, get off my lawn. It, it, it's everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's everybody. I mean, I watched some 65-year-old retired guys that have been around a long time comment on a very sensitive issue recently. And I go, you don't have enough sense to stay away from this. I don't care about support or it's like, this is a pretty sensitive subject, my guy. This isn't a 20 year old doing this. And I was an idiot when I was 20 years old. So I'm not judging 20 year olds. I was a moron. I would have been the first one screwing up on social media, but it's not 20 year olds. I mean, it's a mixture. And when I say that people can see you on social media, you're being fed to the people that are supposed to see you by the algorithm. And people are losing out on business opportunities, on friendships, on connections, on networking, because they're seeing how someone's acting on social media. And you didn't think that guy saw that. And just because he didn't say something to you doesn't mean he didn't disqualify you. It's almost like you didn't think it mattered. That's, this good, is your, that's a good this, way of saying it. This is your page. This is my social media. Doesn't really. I mean, it's social media. Yeah, you're right. And by the way, that's that's a correct attitude. It is your social media. It is my social media. It is your social media. That doesn't mean there's not ramifications from it, right? It's my house, but if I don't fix the fix the electrical wiring and my house burns down, it, I mean, yeah, it was my house. You, you you said it, but I don't know that people will understand it unless we kind of. Maybe maybe it's me more understanding what you're saying. I'll try and translate it. Is you know if you walked around and you talked to people face to face the same way that you talk to them. No no yeah. no 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 wrong wrong way of saying it. the same way you talk to other people. Let's say instead of going onto a Facebook group, you go into Target. And you just start start talking crazy in Target. Right? Like, I mean, but crazy, they're going to go, I wouldn't talk crazy in Target. But they might be that person that throws a fit about some item that didn't scan correctly. or And we can all go, hey, this person here was acting really strange and it didn't seem odd. Maybe something ain't right. Yeah. But they wouldn't think that, Oh, that's the way other people are viewing that that's you inside of social media? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, look, I've been very leery of social media for a long time. It's just kind of built in to me. I think there's so much incredibly positive about it if you choose to be a part of the positive. But you got to make that choice as an individual. Like you really got to hunt the positive. Let's be clear. They know the negative keeps you on the platform longer. You getting worked up about an issue and commenting on it a hundred times does better for them. They know these people are billionaires. They know their staff knows their leaders know they know negativity sells. And so if they can get you riled up about something about, you know, in a car group and a detailing group, and you're going to comment 10 times instead of two times that benefits them. You're on the platform longer. And I remember seeing this very early on in my social media world when I would watch friends or acquaintances from when I was younger 
act crazy on social media, I'd be like, that's not even how that person acts. Like that person would never talk face to face like that to so-and-so who they're talking crazy to on the internet. Like, because I've seen these two people interact, right? And there's a great, I think there's a psychologist or psychiatrist that put this out. Once you remove the threat of violence, which is always apparent with two guys standing next to each other, right? Just, mm. it's just the law of the jungle. Mm. Once you remove the threat of violence, people talk real crazy, right? Because if you got to say something to this guy at the target and you got to mouth off to him, you know, even if it's a 1% chance, this guy could swing on me. This guy could pull a gun. This guy could pull a knife, et cetera. So I always found it interesting when psychiatrists look into why people talk and speak so differently online, especially amongst guys, they all relate it back to when you remove that in-person threat of violence, even if it's 1%, everybody starts to act differently. And the only reason I say that is because I think the best way to go about social media and the way I've gone about this podcast, I've never said one thing on this podcast I wouldn't say to someone's face. I wouldn't say in a group of people. I wouldn't say over and over again, you know, and stand behind my words. But you and I know that we've had people say things in DMs. We've brought them on here and they're unwilling to say them publicly. Right? But they'll go off DMs, Facebook message, email, whatever the case may be. Which is one of the reasons we found guests to be very troublesome for our 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 quality of a podcast because I didn't want people to mute themselves and give people 25% of the story. Hey, you talked crazy. Come on here and defend your point of view. It just largely never happened because when their face and their voice got put on camera and on a microphone, all of a sudden they felt real differently about what they were willing to say. And that's fine. But that's the behind the scenes stuff that is the further you get into the world of social media and things like that, you start to realize there are very few people that are really willing to say what they would say with a keyboard in between you, you and someone else or you and this guy over here or in our DMs or whatever. And so I think that's the lesson to learn here is we all have to be very cautious on social media, especially if you're a person that cares about your reputation, your business, uh, how people view you. Uh, what you care about, what you care people think about you and what you stand for, dude, it's really hard to manage if you're always popping off online. I mean, because that stuff adds up quick. But let's say I'm not somebody that thinks I'd pop off online. Yeah. I, I'm somebody that, you know, I just go in and I enjoy being around. I enjoy watching. I enjoy looking and I enjoy, I enjoy just being a part. Like, yeah, but I also do enjoy giving my opinion. Yeah. Like we don't think that maybe because we made the post or maybe because we weren't the person that made the thing and we just want to leave a comment. I mean, that's not, listen, that's just my opinion. I'm just putting stuff from out there. Like, come on, yeah. Nick, there's, no, you're, you're right. talking about, you're talking about other people here. Like you're talking about these other people that do all these things or, you know, go live and do all this stuff and they want to make their stance and they want, listen, I'm just a guy that wants to, you know, support some people or leave a comment. Yeah. No. And, and, and that's, that's great, but somebody's going to see it and you don't know who that somebody is. 
you don't know what you're going to, I mean, look, we had an opportunity to talk about a real ceramic coating issue that was going on. And you and I had a conversation behind the scenes and I'm like, I don't feel comfortable talking about it because we might need a relationship with that CEO one day, but we were in our, in our right mind. There was something really borderlining on unethical about some things that took place, but you have to draw a line somewhere. So let's pause right there for a second. Do you think maybe, and that's why I wanted to pause for a second, because I think maybe instead of asking you, do you, I'll say my opinion. I think then people say, hey, somebody's made a statement. I need to voice my opinion. If I voice my opinion under this moment of something's happening, it will gain me something. It's almost like a bet, right? It, yeah. It's it really is. If we're going to think about it for a second, you and I wondered if we if we do this, if we expend this energy, if we expend, if we put our name behind this, will it actually generate something from us or for us? Like we're taking a gamble, we're taking a risk, we're. We're in Vegas. We're taking a bet. Yeah. Most people don't think of it that way, right? And by the way, content-wise, it was the exact right decision to jump on that train. Like, we had outside counsel on this. You know, that's what they do all day is is help us with content. They're like, hey, man, you better cash in. This is – you're not going to get this opportunity. And it's like, it wasn't us. You know, it just wasn't who you and I want to be. It wasn't the right moment. And we also have to protect HyperClean, right? We're not protecting Marty and Nick anymore. We're protecting our team members. We're protecting the whole network of people that do business with us. We're protecting a lot of things. The same as we tell people, and this is the point of the, the, we would want to call it almost foolish behavior online. The same as, which is why we brought this up about Sparta. The same as we're going to tell people, hey, you know, we're going to watch your social media for foolish behavior. Would it have been the right gamble, the right play for us if we're looking for views, which is social media? Yeah. Yep. Or is the right true thing to not go after just definite views, right? Like that's his exact. Yeah. Build for the long term. Yeah. Yeah. We, we chose the long-term slower build than to go in here and pick up 10,000 cheap subscribers, which is probably what we would have picked out because we had inside knowledge of, of how bad this situation was. And I think we got here and let me be clear because I've made a thousand mistakes in my life, a million mistakes. And you and I have some, I wouldn't say regrets, but we wish we would have handled some things differently three years ago. Right. We, we wish we'd have just passed on some ideas and not talked about certain things because we just really didn't care about them that much. And it really wasn't worth it in the end. No, no, no. There's the part, right? We care. We did care about, we, we did care about, and this is the point of where people are, are coming to us now and which you had brought out in that deep dive and which we brought out a second ago. People do. And as we come out with the polishing stuff, people will challenge us. And there is ultimately of, do we care? Do you care when you come out with the pads? Do you care of the process of, of talking about the, 
the you mentioned and especially we'll do in a video where you talk about a dead arm these are specific things that you took yep. as a human being and you forced yourself to do something different than other people yeah so no we do have to ask ourselves do we care about these things and if you do care about them at what level do you want to put that out yeah i think here's where I had to get from the mistakes that I've made in putting content out is I'm actually really cool. If somebody shares their opinion, right or wrong, whether they agree or not with what I say, I just, it can, as we had happen last week for the first time on YouTube, it can get to a level of disrespect that I don't think anyone deserves. I certainly don't disrespect people on their page. I don't leave comments on people's pages I don't attack people on their pages. That's their content. If I don't like it, I just swipe or I hit stop and go to the next thing. So things can get to a level of disrespect, but I want to be clear. I want everybody to share their opinion. If you're well thought out and you go, hey, man, this is the way I think about it. I, you know, Have you guys thought about it this way? Look at this. This is why I believe that. I, I think that's awesome. I think that's the best of the internet. I think the fact that we can plug into all these opinions is the best of the internet except it always seems on a very high level to go over the line when somebody disagrees with you. And instead of saying, Hey, have you guys thought of this? This is how I do it. What do you think about this? There's always that percentage of people that go over the line and then there's accusations and you're doing this and you're doing that. And this guy accused us of deleting comments, which we don't even have the time to do. Nobody deleted any of his comments. I, nobody cares enough to do that. He got to a level of disrespect, right? That it's just like, hey, man, we're just we're just telling people about our carpet system. It's not it's not this serious, and that's one of the things about car care. I think we all need to kind of say out loud a couple times, it's not this serious. I am perfectly fine that people have different ways of doing things. You're perfectly fine with it. I was in a much different headspace, and I think you probably were too three to five years ago, because we knew some behind the scenes things that were not so good. Okay. And we realized our energy is better spent on the people that trust us and just building what we do. And we're out. So when people see HyperClean today, we may talk about things going on around the internet, but I can tell you internally what we're concerned about doing the best we can for the people that follow us, for the people that believe in us. And you know what? That narrow focus is the same thing everybody else should have on the internet. Do what's best for you, but also remember, everybody's going to see what you say. Everybody's going to see your comments. Everybody's going to see how you act. And I think that's the, the, the thing that we can prove to everybody is we had some things that when you and I first started, we didn't know anybody was watching. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, it would take off. Remember my SEMA episode when SEMA was down that first year? I mean, this was getting passed around all these people and everybody's taking offense to it. It's like, but I didn't lie about it. Why are you so offended? And I had to learn how to deal with that, where people were taking a behind the scenes shot at me for something I didn't even do wrong. I just told our audience what was actually happening at the show. And some point in time, we had to get to a place, Marty, that wasn't easy Hey, man, I love when people share their opinions. As long as you give me a good reason you have that opinion, I'm going to listen to it. And I'm going to be interactive with you. But you can't go over the line. And that line's pretty clear, but it's just not clear to everybody. All right. I'm pushing back. 
serious, but not so serious. I do think that there is some serious things, right? And this is going to be there, right? I got it is. There is some serious things, though, because we just addressed all these things that happen to people's cars. Those are serious problems that do happen. So how does somebody not take it serious when we're trying to tell people, hey, this is a carpet system that you're supposed to use. We've done our work. You should use it. But then we have people go, ah, no, nah, you know, we've never seen that. We can't do that. That's not eh. You guys are, and okay, what about then? This is the funny thing that you and I joke about is the comical acting, and we talked about it be, before in the episodes, but it is still one of the most viewed uh, reels that we've had yeah. is me me making a joke about taking a wash mitt out, and you're like, oh, hold on here. Like, yeah. like it's not so serious, but actually, Nick, it actually is serious. <laughs> These are, to your point, okay, we could go into some of the posts that you see on Facebook. Uh, I saw a post where somebody goes, hey, I bought a $70, and they holding up the one of the top brands. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, they got made a great deal on a Rupes polisher. Yeah, okay. great deal. Rupes shouldn't be sold for $70, okay? Yeah, it's a great polisher. But, but they got a great deal on it. So he goes... Now I'm ready to learn paint correction. Nick, it's not so serious, but it it is serious. Yeah. You know, you have other people that go like this body shop, or you have other people that question things like, yeah, Nick, it's not so serious. But as There's I said to you, as I said to you, we've got inner family dialogue around a vehicle that they want to purchase. Not so serious. But that Seventy thousand dollar. If we could tell some people, if we're a listener, that go, yeah. If we would have been able to tell a family member, don't buy that eighty thousand dollar Kia. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't so serious, but actually, it is serious. Yeah, there there are some things that become really serious here. Yeah, when you're talking about working on cars, whether it's your own or you're doing it as a business as a detailer, here's the truth: it can get serious because you can destroy a lot of money really quick. I mean, that, that's just a, that's just a fact. I mean, and cars, you got to remember the whole middle class of America has never been used to paying this dollar amount for cars. So no. exponentially, so quickly, we had an unbelievable four year run in the car market. And like you said, there were people that paid $80,000 for a Kia that's now worth 40 and they're 40 grand upside down, 34,000 upside down. There is ramifications to that. So imagine if you're $34,000 upside down and you also go to somebody who burns all the interior plastics on your car. That's when it does become serious. So you're right. I mean, we, we're all kind of, we, we, we joke about things around uh, the, the car care world. We, we joke around about things. We talk about things that go on in the professional market. Professional market to me is serious because I've seen the level of damage that can happen. What I don't think is serious is all the anger online. That's to me, Dude, somebody's just putting content out. If you don't like it, just swipe. Just swipe. Because when you leave that comment and somebody has the ability to track it back to you, which in a lot of cases we can all track it back to somebody, you're going to look a certain way. And if it's the wrong person that sees you and maybe they were going to give you an opportunity, that opportunity has gone. And I'm telling you, we've had it happen with Sparta. 
guys that really wanted an opportunity with Sparta that we had to deny because of social media behavior. Because guess what? I'm not worried about Marty and Nick. I'm worried about the hundreds of installers around the world that I have to protect that our brand's always going to look a certain way. You see it a certain way, but because you're not sitting in our seat, you don't realize I got to protect the whole network of people. I made a promise to those people that we were going to protect the brand of Sparta in the professional market. I made that promise myself, not you, me. I was on those phone calls. You've been on a couple phone calls. I made that promise. And so you are right. There are times we sit on here and we have some fun and whatever. Things can turn serious pretty quick, right? When you start talking about somebody's working on a $250,000 car, things can get dangerous pretty quick, get expensive really quickly, right? They're working on a $100,000 Wagoneer, which that was the price at certain points. That family just dropped a hundred grand, which I guarantee they've never dropped. The last car they owned was a Jeep Cherokee. They paid $40,000 for. They're now $60,000 in a different bracket and they're not changing their behaviors. And now it's a $60,000 more expensive situation. That's when it can turn serious. Yeah. So, you know, we shouldn't voice our opinion about proper carpet cleaning. We shouldn't voice our opinion, according to some people. And now we can look at it in that light and go, absolutely, we should. Absolutely, we can look at the amount of people that are questioning how to do things. And therein lies the cry to community. The, the cry to being inside the specialist group. The cry when we see people online question why we're so adamant to say things and you go, yeah, it's because let's go back to the questions that continue to be asked. And you go, it's, it will be never ending. Yeah. It really will. And yeah. fine. That's great. That'll be never ending. That means that those of us that hear that call, those of us that do care about car life, Right. You could say that and you could fill it into however you want, whether that's boom, 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 whatever it is that you're passionate. And there actually becomes, Nick, the time to use the word passion. What is it that you're passionate about enjoying your car around? Passion shouldn't be about this like work, work, work. Passion should actually be about having a vehicle, owning it the way you talk about your truck and you still have the vehicle that puts you into the point. There's people that you've said that have bought Porsches. They've bought Mercedes. They've bought whatever vehicle that, well, because they knew how much it work would take to get to owning that vehicle. Yep. And so that's how much passion they have for it. Really, ultimately then, to have that type of vehicle, to enjoy it to its utmost, should be to keep it, at its highest quality. Yeah. Not just value, but highest quality and looking out the window, looking at the dash, looking at the carpets, looking at the, the rear view mirror. Whatever aspect while you're driving the vehicle, that becomes the highest quality. So another great discussion as we continue to enjoy driving our cars. Yeah. All right, fellas. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.